You're listening to The Served Up Show, a podcast that features inspiring beverage professionals and topic experts that share their passions through meaningful content. Your hostesses, Bridget Albert, is best known as the Market Fresh Mixologist, an industry mentor with over 25 years of experience. And I'm Julie Milroy, best known for my passion for leading change and helping others grow in their careers. Grab a cocktail and sit back. Let's learn how we can make a positive impact in our industry. Hey y'all, Bridget here. Welcome to part two of my interview with Executive Director of the United States Bartenders Guild, Aaron Gregory Smith. In this episode, Aaron shares his insights to the USBG's history, their community, activities, charity efforts, how you can become a member, and so much more. Grab yourself your favorite cocktail, sit back, relax, and enjoy this very special show. Hey, hey, Erin. Welcome back to Served Up. Uh, Thanks, Bridget. Glad to be back. You know, we were just scratching the surface on your first show of your extensive career within uh, the hospitality industry that led us really up to the United States Bartenders Guild and your current role. So I would love to start there. If you could tell our listeners the history of the United States Bartenders Guild, where it comes from, and truly what is the International Bartender Association? Well, uh, absolutely. I, um, very good timing on that, actually, because I've just returned from the um, International Bartenders Association's annual World Cocktail Championship. So, uh, you know, the, the timing on our history and, and our connection to bartender associations over the world is uh, feeling very fresh and, uh, you know, still kind of um, enjoying the glow of, of what it feels like to get into a room of, of bartenders and uh, hospitality professionals from more than 50 countries around the world. So, uh, yeah, let's let's start there. Um, so, the I'll I'll have to um, preface this by saying there are a couple of people in our organization with a much better knowledge of the history of the organization and how it started. But I'll uh, I'll get you as far as I know, uh, and then recommend that uh, you uh, dig a little deeper with the the people who have really done this this archival research, um, Livia Loro. Uh, one of a former president of the USBG has spent uh, a number of years really digging into this fascinating history. But I'll give you the Cliff Notes version at least. So the USBG actually started as the California chapter of the United Kingdom Bartenders Guild, um, and the UKBG is still in existence. In fact, I spent quite a lot of time with the uh, president of the UKBG over this last week while we were in uh, Varadero, Cuba, and. Um, she is a, a beverage director for um, a, a company there, and we got to talking a lot about our our history and uh, our shared history, and really enjoyed that. So formally, the the organization uh, kicked off as the California Bartenders Guild in in 1948, um, and then eventually uh, other or other chapters were formed, and it became the United States Bartenders Guild. So. Um, 1948. That that means uh, we're at year 74 right now, and just uh, getting ready to turn 75, which we're really excited about. The USBG was volunteer managed and 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 run 
um, really until the mid uh, mid 2000s. Um, and when the when uh, Livia, who I was mentioning, hired the first contractor to sort of support programs uh, for the association, that was really the uh, where we transitioned from, you know, a volunteer organized social and um, educational organization to becoming a true association. And um, so we had a, a few contractors work for the guild over a few years, um, and then uh, in 2013. Uh, we really started building a staff, and and now we have a um, a staff of uh, of fourteen full time employees. Yeah, that's really incredible how much it's grown over the last you know se- this year seventy four years, next year seventy five years. Mm-hmm. And my question to you is, Erin, you know, can you maybe paint a picture of what the guild would have really looked like? What what some of the activities that they were doing in the forties? What was their purpose? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I, um, you know, this is uh, pure speculation on my part because I'm not a historian, right? Uh, but, um, you know, the after in the post-war period, the post-World War II period, um, you know, the world was really trying to figure out how uh, to not do this again, you know, how not to um, fall into global warfare again, especially um, where uh, Europe was, Europe was devastated as well as um, a lot of the, the Asia Pacific region. Uh, from from this war, and so you, you see institutions, global institutions, really start forming. Um, you know, the League of Nations, which ultimately became the um, uh, the United Nations, uh, and um, you you see other sort of industries coming together and 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 joining forces to to build personal relationships across national boundaries, so that um, really a, a sense of community could form at the global level, and um, the bartenders. Association, the International Bartenders Association, I think, was formed as as part of that coming together, uh, as part of that, you know, bridging of uh, of national borders. So the activity that really keep has kept the the International Bartenders Association and many of the associations around the world together over all the ups and downs and the economic comings and goings of the of the last seventy four seventy five years has been competition and. I know not everybody sees themselves as a competitive person, you know, um, and so uh, and that co- cocktail competitions can feel a little bit sport like um, they can, you know, um, competition doesn't always bring out everybody's best self. Uh, but really what it did is kind of kept a culture. It's like you have to keep some sort of level of infrastructure uh, in your organization to to both recruit and um, and organize a competition each year. And so this is what was sort of the linchpin uh, that kept these associations growing and connecting with each other once a year. Uh, by um, That competition also gives uh, an opportunity for um, beverage alcohol suppliers to engage with the bartenders. Um, and by hosting these global competitions each year and, uh, and bringing in sponsors to, to connect with the bartenders, um, the IBA was able to host an international, uh, what they call the annual general meeting of the the presidents of all of these associations of the world. So really without the competition, there would not have necessarily been this draw to bring everyone together, to get in the same room, um, to uh, connect with one another and to make decisions for this organization over all of these years. So, um, you know, competition has really been core to the organization, to the to the culture of it, and to its uh, ability to create 
and hold space for governments to evolve. Um, and that's not unlike our own association that with the with the inter, with the U.S. Bartenders Guild. You know, that's really interesting when you talk about competitions. I want to ask you something. You know, why do you think bartenders enjoy competing in a cocktail competition? Ah, that is such a good question, and I think there's a there's, it's a very rich answer. Uh, I spend a lot of time in my role as executive director thinking about competitions, thinking about how to make them connect to give bartenders something of value, whether or not they get that top, um, that top spot and win, you know, I, I, bartenders sacrifice so much time, effort, and creativity um, to participate in competitions. Any competition that I work on, I want to make sure that they are getting something of value back, you know, that that's something that they can take to work with them, that they can carry forward into their careers. So, um, so I, I do think about this question a lot. Why do bartenders, um, why are they interested in competitions? Um, so much. What, what's the draw? I, of course, there is that, you know, a, a, a desire to, to validate um, the skills that you are developing behind the bar. Um, you know, our, our current president, uh, T. Cole Newton, um, once, uh, once said, you know, that bartending can feel very isolating. Um, you know, you are sort of on an island um, within your team in your bar or restaurant. Um, and while you're engaging a lot with guests and you're definitely having some side to side conversations with your fellow bartenders, um, you know, where servers get to go in the back and maybe, you know, let off some steam a little bit where, um, you know, your back of house um, colleagues and coworkers have each other and they don't have to necessarily be on all night. Bartenders often come in earlier than the rest of the front of house staff, leave later than the front of house staff. Um, they have these these customer service and production roles within there. And so there's just a lot of, um, there's, there's not a whole lot of time uh, to socialize outside of your guest interaction. And so um, they just really have a unique position within, uh, within the, the bar and restaurants where they work. So, so being able to step out of that space and connect with other people that share that experience, that share the values that go along with that experience. Um, can be really rewarding and reinvigorating. Um, as, as many of us know who bartended for years, um, it can be, it can be, it can become a grind and it can become exhausting. And so being able to, to join into these shared spaces with other people who care as much about the work as you do, uh, just can be really inspirational when you start to, when you start to lose some of your steam. Yeah, I agree with you a hundred percent and competing is fun. Yeah. Right. I mean, it is. It's a lot of fun to get up there on the stage and, you know, show them what you got. I think it's a good yeah, time. Yeah, show them what you for got. Everyone, and, right? Yes, absolutely. It's fun for the audience. It's, um, you know, the, one of the other things I, I see that happens a lot at competitions is um, a fantastic peer network develops, um, you know, and so you get to know other people who are at a similar stage of their career, right, where they've done um, they've done their homework. Um, they've, they've, they've been practicing, they've been giving that, you know, they've, they've been doing those, the, you know, working very hard for those 10,000 hours of focused practice to make them that, you know, to, to gain their expertise in the field. Um, and so that peer to peer network has, is really strong. I see, um, I see former competitors from USBG competitions, uh, you know, opening businesses together, um, traveling, uh, together as, as friends and colleagues, um, and then the other uh, relationship that I really love that forms is the mentorship relationship between some of the judges and the competitors. For the USBG, we 
work really hard to get our judges ready um, to provide as unbiased an evaluation as they can in a competition. We go through, you know, some of the uh, um, principles of organizational psychology that managers and supervisors are often trained on in larger corporations to give unbiased performance evaluations of their employees. So we run through a training with them uh, and we always encourage them to take copious notes, how what the competitor did well, what the competitor could improve on, and then just any other words of guidance um, that might help this competitor either at work in producing uh, you know, cocktails that are going to be really meaningful to their guests and to their establishment, and as well as how they might um, improve their performance for other uh, other competitions or other presentations where they are giving a presentation ar- around cocktails. And that feedback at, at every stage of the competition, whether it's the entry point, the, the, the semifinals or the final round, uh, is that we hope that sort of gift of value that makes it worth the competitor's time uh, to to volunteer their their creativity and efforts um, and their unpaid time off work, frankly, uh, to participate in these activities. Can you talk about where the USBG is today as far as community building programming and education and really the great stuff that the USBG does to help support the beverage community? Yes, uh, I can talk a little bit about that uh, or probably too much about that, to be frank. So, um, you know, as the organization has been professionalizing, you know, with a professional association staff, um, with a governance board of directors, which is, you know, a stage of maturity for an association um, above and beyond volunteer managed, we have really focused in on what is our purpose and our intention. I think the organization has always done a good job of creating uh, um, a, that social environment for bartenders to be in shared spaces with one another, or, or at least that's been a clear purpose. Um, education sort of became uh, uh, became a question and an intention in, you know, probably 2013 to 2018. We really had a lot of discussions about what does education mean in the context of, of an association. So, you know, our... our uh, our national association and our um, and our chapters uh, across the country have really focused in and asked, what is it that makes um, nonprofit provided, you know, uh, educational content unique and meaningful in in the community? So this is a, a question that is never answered, um, but but some of the things that we've discovered along the the journey toward that answer is um, that we have some incredible partners across the industry that. Um, do an exceptional job of creating educational content that helps their customers, which is, you know, for many of them um, and for a big proportion of their sales go through the the on-premise trade. So there is a, a great effort um, to provide useful customer knowledge, as any great marketing program will do, um, to to members of the trade who will then uh, who can then um, share some of that knowledge and and care uh, for those products to their guests to to their employees. So that is an important aspect of our industry. Um, I don't think that there's a, a nonprofit in in the bar, restaurant, hospitality space that that has the access to resources that some of our um, some of our wonderful supplier partners have. Um, but 
we also need to go beyond that in our nonprofit space and find those things where maybe there isn't a profit incentive, where maybe there isn't a, a, um, a, a marketing intention to get these skills and resources into the hands of the bartenders that need them. The hospitality industry is notoriously under-resourced when it comes to uh, professional development, when it comes to uh, management training. You know, um, I, I don't know about you, Bridget, but when I got my first management job, I got some good training for a few weeks. And then, you know, when I called for an emergency, you know, they, they stopped picking up after a while and you realize you just have to sink or swim. You know, you have to figure it out. <laughs> they push Absolutely. you out of the nest and, yeah. and you yep. go for it. Um, Baptism by fire. After, yeah, exactly. So after that, um, you know, where do you go to, to get better? Where do you go once you've exhausted the, the mentorship that's available to you from your general manager, from, um, you know, from whether it's the owner or, you know, maybe if you're at a, at a more medium-sized restaurant, maybe there's a, a, district, a, a district manager or a regional manager. Once you've exhausted their capacity to mentor you, where do you go for those next steps? And I would say that um, the United States Bartenders Guild is trying to be that place for some for a bartender who would like to be a bar manager, a bar manager who would like to be a general manager, a general manager who would like to become an owner someday to exceed the capacity of their current business, of, of their current employer, um, to gain the network and skills that they need to take that next step. I think that that's amazing to be a resource for all of those things, because no one goes to college to become a bartender, right? No one goes to right. A school, right, to have those resources and that roadmap, you know, with the acceleration plan um, in place for your career. So it's amazing that the United States Bartenders Guild has those resources in place to, to assist and to support the community. Can you talk about the charitable arm of the United States Bartenders Guild, the good that it did during COVID and the good that it continues to do. Absolutely. Well, that's a. I know that that's an area that is um, central for for both of us, and we have a lot of shared shared experience there. You know, um, as this as the bartender community was growing um, in late 2000s, early 2010s, um, and we were starting to organize a little bit more, and we saw um, organizations like Tales of the Cocktail Foundation really take off and and really create a sense of community. Uh, between bars and restaurants outside of our neighborhoods, which, where there's always been community in, uh, between um, the establishments and the neighborhood, we saw the, the extraordinary need for people who had come across, you know, um, an unexpected circumstance. And uh, as an industry, without easy access to uh, medical insurance, uh, you know, due to high turnover, you know, lower wages and, uh, and, um, you know, an industry that just hasn't figured out how to how to make our current health insurance system work for it. Um, you know, uh, people get into emergency situations and they're just in a deep hole. And um, different groups of bartenders across the country had started hosting fundraising events um, to try and help raise money for people who were um, who were going through uh, a difficult time. You know, we saw. Um, a, a member in our San Francisco chapter who um, had been through a um, whose uh, apartment building had caught on fire and just had a lot of medical expenses related to that. Another bartender who had um, gotten into a very bad car accident and had um, a very long stay in in the hospital recovering from that. Uh, a bartender with a very rare blood disorder, you know, that had 
um, had been hospitalized. And and we saw the community coming together to um, to help support these people in a very difficult time of need. Uh, and we, you know, um, many of us realized that uh, these events were great. It really required, you know, for for those people to get access to this community, it required a lot of uh, of, of existing network, you know, a connection to this group of people who were tight, um, tightly um, integrated. Uh, and um, it just, uh, there was also this, th- what we were doing at that time was not under the guise of, um, of formal recognition of charity. So it was sort of like, um, you know, an informal gift, but it was all a little bit off, off the books. And um, what we realized is for us to scale this, for us to really make it accessible to bartenders all over the country, we really needed to work with the IRS, the Inter- Internal Revenue Service, and, and have this activity recognized for, um, for the public benefit that it is, which um, is poverty relief. That's how um, emergency assistance programs are, are set up. Um, we also wanted to set up a system that had other, other support resources besides just emergency assistance. Like how can we get people other types of support when they need it? How can we connect them to other resources? Um, so that is how um, that and a commitment to community service is, is how the USBG National Charity Foundation was formed in 2012. Um, we also partnered with uh, Tony Abuganum, who was who was working on a bartender fund uh, for bartenders and their families affected by cancer. Um, and so we sort of joined forces with them and the Bartenders Relief Fund that had, had formed locally in California and built um, the Bartender Emergency Assistance Program, the Helen David Relief Fund, that are now the two core emergency assistance programs at the USBG Foundation. Emergency assistance is an area that is hugely beneficial to the people it impacts. It is also an exceptional target for fraud, uh, for misrepresentation, for theft, um, and it's a very highly regulated area of charitable work. In fact, there's now uh, um, some states require registration with the uh, with the emergency management um, organizations in the state because of how much fraud and abuse um, mis- and and misconduct takes place in emergency assistance. So it's a it's not an area that is easy to enter. It's also not an area that's easy to enter nationally because you really have to have your nonprofit registration um, set up very very carefully across all the states. So um, I know we see a lot of star- startup organizations that um, see emergency assistance as a way to get to to get started and. Um, just caution people to be very careful about who they give to um, and how that how that goes, because it's a very difficult area to to manage. And we've been left very fortunate to have had um, exceptional legal advice in this space uh, for since its, since its inception. So where we are now, we uh, you know launched the Bartender Emergency Assistance Program, formally got our uh, 501c3 recognition from um, the IRS in 2014. And um, so uh, we had been granting, you know, between fifty and two hundred thousand dollars a year uh, out to bartenders in need, um, you know, starting in 2014 all the way up until um, 2020. And when the COVID-19 pandemic started shutting down bars around, uh, right around St. Patrick's Day, 2020, um, one of our partners at uh, at Pernod Ricard, Jameson, had been planning a number of activities uh, that they needed to cancel for safety reasons. And so they called us and asked if they could help establish a fund for bartenders that were out of work due to COVID-19. 
And we were hoping, as all of us were, that it was just going to be a couple of weeks um, and that, you know, the uh, the gift that they had offered um, was uh, going to be a good start. And then we would kind of build from there. Our, because our application was um, already available to people and it was online, it was working, um, when when uh, Jameson made this contribution and started sharing out how to apply, um, we went from processing about 20 to 30 applications a month um, to receiving over 60,000 in the first three days. Say that number again. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Say that again. 60,000 60, in the first three days. Um, were the number of applications we received. So um, I actually had to expand over that weekend. I was having to expand our data uh, plan with the the company that was hosting our our application um, because we exceeded it twice um, with the number of applications that that we were um, we were hosting because we just were not prepared for this. Uh, we were, we had no idea that it would be this this level of scale. So. Um, Worked that out over the weekend. Um, we started putting, you know, reaching out to other partners to let them know um, how great the need was, um, and quickly started building, you know, sort of a um, a safe and um, and effective um, application model that could handle the scale. So, kind of hit the ground running um, over that weekend and the next week, and and really didn't stop um, working. <laughs> you know, the entire the 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 full team didn't stop working that hard for. For several months, we were able, because of the way the foundation and the guild are set up, we were able to shift very quickly. Uh, we were able to reassign our full-time USBG staff, um, who no longer had any events to produce after um, those, the shutdown started happening. We were able to shift uh, about two-thirds of the workforce of our staff to focus 100% on the foundation. So we had a, a team ready to go ready to get involved in in helping us uh, in helping to build and process all of these applications that's something that is not really replicable in in a whole lot of organizations because you don't have have access to that we also had an exceptional um outpouring of support both financially and for volunteer hours uh all of the brand ambassadors from um many many brand ambassadors i would say from diageo from Fernando ricard and bacardi contacted us and asked how they could help um, and we set up, uh, um, I organized a, uh, um, a volunteer um, orientation and recruitment process. Uh, and so, and, and we started bringing people in to start screening applications. Um, again, as I mentioned, emergency assistance is rife with uh, abuse and, and um, misrepresented applications. So we needed to make sure that none of those applications were getting through. Um, so we set up our volunteers to do that. Ultimately, we received over 300,000 applications. Um, we were able to start issuing wow. uh, distributions um, within four weeks of the first application. Um, so we had cash in hand within four weeks, even at the scale that we were working. Uh, by the end of it, uh, we helped 32,000 bartenders with this program. We raised $10 million. We oriented over 700 volunteers um, in this effort. And we um, did all of that in about uh, the, the vast majority, 95% of that work was completed uh, by August. I just Bravo. need a breath because I'm reliving that a couple, from a couple of years ago. It's still very intense. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it was such great work. I know I was able to be behind the scenes for just a, a very small yes. part. And it was just a, a, a beautiful, really, to see how quickly 
the USBG was able to organize themselves and in a, I feel in a very fair way, um, be able to lend assistance to those in need during such a crisis in our nation. So it's something to be proud of. And I do think that this is a moment in time, Aaron, that yourself and the USBG will be remembered very fondly for. Well, I hope we don't have to do it again. Um, but yeah. the next time we need to do a $10 million campaign, we do it um, not out of reaction to a, a, a crisis, but, you know, because we've decided as a community that there's something that is that valuable um, to uh, to make um, such a huge, uh, huge change in um, in our organization, but also in our industry. Um, the other thing, you know, as I mentioned, we were able to scale up very rapidly um, to support this uh, processing we were also able to scale down very rapidly. So as those applications, as you know, funding sort of uh, started moving in other directions, um, as uh, applications, as people started to get onto um, you know, more long-term government support, as the government was able to catch up with this extraordinary need. I don't know if y'all recall, but unemployment websites across the country were crashing because of the number of applications they were receiving. Um, our application went down once. Uh, and it was for about two hours um, and had nothing. It, it, and it was something outside of our control. Um, so there was just so much need out there. <laughs> you know, it was a very intense time. By the end of it, we were able to make to bring down our administrative costs to under uh, to under 3%, which, you know, is just unheard of. The reason we were able to do that is because of the incredible community that the USPG has built, um, the infrastructure that it's built, and uh, because of Every volunteer and every member who has contributed to that, every every sponsor, every partner has contributed to that, uh, you know, over the last 74 years. Such an incredible part of the United States bartender's history and the hospitality industry. It's really an amazing effort and achievement. So, you know, bravo and thank you for all of the good work that the USBG did and continues to do for those in need. Oh, yeah. It's really amazing. Now, you did mention that next year is the United States um, Bartenders Guild's 75th birthday. Will it you is. be celebrating? <laughs> we will be celebrating. So we've decided that we're going to um, suspend our regional conference program, which is, you know, one of our favorite things to do every year, to travel to five different cities and, and, and connect members across the country. Um, but we're going to take a year off of regional conferences and we're going to um, uh, have one 75th anniversary conference in the late summer. Registration for that will um, will kick off early next year, uh, but it will be you know late August, early September, still working out those final details at the moment. Um, and uh, we'll have a, an educational conference as its core to um, our efforts. We hope to bring people from the IBA, the International Bartenders Association, as well as uh, you know, all of our, all, everyone who has contributed to the, to the USBG's success over these 75 years um, in, in, to, to join together and really celebrate uh, this accomplishment of bartenders, right? Like this organization was built and supported for and by bartenders um, over these last 75 years. And that is such an accomplishment, you know? Um, these are not people with, uh, you know, overflowing um, pocketbooks. 
uh, and they did it out of love for their craft, love for their their profession, love for their community um, to really commit these hours um, and these efforts to uh, to building this institution. Um, and uh, uh, that's that is worth celebrating. Oh, it sure is. It absolutely is. Can you tell the listeners where they can find the United States Bartenders Guild and who is eligible to become a member? Certainly. Um, you can find the U.S. Bartenders Guild at usbg.org. Um, that's the easiest place to find information, membership information, locations of all of our chapters across the country, um, as well as some of the programs that we uh, are 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 executing now, the current programs, past programs, future programs. Um, can find out who our volunteer board of directors is and all of the different um, communities and, and um, segments of our industry that they represent. They are uh, an incredibly uh, focused and dedicated group of people that uh, come together to, to really um, set the path and the direction for this organization. Uh, the, the board collectively is my boss, uh, and I can, I can tell you as uh, an executive director, their support and their guidance and their love of this organization and of the bar industry um, is really inspiring and motivating. Um, so you can learn all about them uh, there, and, and, and it's definitely worth the read. Um, who is eligible to be a member? So most associations have a you know, a, or, or most associations, professional societies have a, a, have a membership for people who are practicing that profession or who are um, engaged in that um, engaged in that occupation. So uh, clearly, we have a bartenders membership, which we uh, we kind of uh, categorize as hospitality professional because we know that there are so many people who within bars, restaurants, hotels, catering companies that engage with a bar, with bartending. Um, and sometimes those people are on their way to become bartenders. Sometimes those people have been bartenders and are taking the ne a, a next step in their career. Um, others are currently bartending. So we call that hospitality professional. If you make the majority of your um, annual income serving guests, uh, then you're a hospitality professional member. Also, most associations have uh, an associate category or a vendor category of membership. Um, associations are a great place for vendors in all industries, for vendors, suppliers in all industries to connect with their customers. And so we do have an, association, uh, an associate membership. And this membership is for anybody whose customer is a hospitality professional or the company that they manage. So that's an associate membership. That's for consultants, for um, uh, beverage alcohol suppliers, for distributors, for um, uh, for glassware companies, for any of, um, and for uh, for media or PR, anybody else who is engaged in their local bartending community um, and would like to be a member of the USBG to support its efforts and make those connections. Now, where we are a little bit unique <laughs> is that we also have a third category of memberships for enthusiast members. And, and this is because um, we all know that we have some customers that just go above and beyond. They are, they are regulars at our bars. They're the people um, who are inspired by the stories that we share while we're working. Um, and you know, it's those, those guests that really bring the culture of our bars to life and are really part of the fabric of our community. And the USBG has always had enthusiast members, um, people who have no uh, commercial interest in the hospitality industry, but just care a lot. 
and um, and want to contribute their time, skills, and efforts uh, to this organization. So we have a, a, a very small uh, membership category. It's always it's always less than four percent. I think right now it's two percent of members that are enthusiasts, and and some of these enthusiasts have been some of our most incredible volunteers. You know, and um, they bring unique skill sets into our organization, and they do just uh, amazing things. So. Who is eligible to be a USBG member? Pretty much everybody. Bartenders are um, are passionate about holding space <laughs> for anyone that they can. You know, they hold the door open, and and so um, really anybody who wants to support the mission and vision of the USBG, you know, um, uh, play by the rules of member code of conduct, and really contribute and foster to a, a culture of hospitality is welcome. That's wonderful. Thank you for clarifying that. I think that, you know, folks will be really excited to hear that, you know what, I'm a fan of the cocktail. I'd love to be part of this community. I love to volunteer. You know, this sounds like something great for me to be part of. So thank you for clarifying that. Um, Aaron, can you tell the listeners what the USBG means to you personally? Mm, yeah. Um I have always been a community service oriented person. Um, I, you know, volunteered a lot um, in in middle school and high school. I was part of uh, a lot of community uh, and philanthropic organizations growing up. It's always been a big part of how I um, like to see myself re- reflected in the world. You know, um, getting my hands dirty and and um, and and really helping to to serve a need and. When I joined the the restaurant industry, we may have talked about this um, on our last call. I was really um, at a place in my life where um, I really needed that chosen family that the the hospitality industry provided, and um, it was it, it and, and I found it. You know, I found it very early on. Um, I felt like I had access to good mentors. I um, had good career progression. Um, I was I was taking the steps that I wanted to take when I wanted to take them, and um, and really enjoying that. Um, when I discovered the USBG, I was at sort of an inflection point of wanting to. I knew I wanted to take a next step. I knew I wanted to go into ownership, uh, and the USBG was there with the community, with the the network, with the resources really that I needed. Uh, that community support to take that next step, to take that risk for the first time, you know? Um, And I was so grateful for it. um, And I was so impressed with the community that had been um, built in my, uh, my local chapter in San Francisco uh, about how everybody came together to um, help each other uh, grow and, and excel. Um, How we, uh, as a community, we approach, um, charitable partnerships with other nonprofit organizations. Just it felt so rich and so accessible. Like I didn't have to jump through a lot of hoops. It was just there and ready. Um, and so over you know over the next few years, I stayed involved while still doing my my own you know for profit um, achieving my own for profit dream. You know as as it as it was. And then I just realized like um, I want to give back to this group. I want to help it get to its next level. I want it to get to the best possible version of itself um, that I can steward, you know? And the organization was receptive to that. Um, I, uh, it's, hard to, uh, it's hard to put into words how, um, how 
that makes uh, how how that has impacted me, how it's impacted my life, and and uh, how grateful I am to all of the people who um, who said, yeah, you can give it a shot. We'll we'll see what you can do, kid. Um, it it was uh, it was amazing. Um, and I hope uh, that I have been able to do that for other people. Um, I know as we were um, preparing for this conversation, I uh, I wanted to talk about the the careers that I have seen um, go through the USBG and and go on to do just amazing things. And um, and that is one of my favorite. Um, that was one of my favorite things to see to see a young or not age is irrelevant, a newer or, or mid-career bartender um, join this organization, fall in love with it uh, all over again if it, if, or, or for the first time, and then make the connection, um, make uh, and gain the skill and the knowledge to, to, to practice their leadership skills and chapter leadership, um, to practice their networking skills uh, between different cities uh, by participating in a conference. Um, or a competition, you know, and um, take that next step into management or into supplier or or distributor relations, and then just continue to go on to do just incredible things. I um, I cannot count uh, the number of people whose careers have taken off over the last ten years. I've been working on this organization, and how how grateful they are to the USBG as well. Like that. Um, when when I get to see those people in in person and um, get a high five hug or um, or just say hello, you can just see this sort of uh, a, a spark, uh, a magic, a, this this deep love for a, a community that that helped them along their way. Well, Aaron, I want to thank you for really leading the charge with the United States Bartenders Guild for giving the community a purpose to really being the energy, you know, behind the importance of the organization. And I'm so happy that you came back on Served Up for a part two, brother. You are the first. And I have a feeling when we get closer to the 75th, you're going to be coming on for a third time. (laughs) All right. Well, I would be thrilled. I am so grateful to to you, Bridget, um, for, you know, for everything you, uh, you taught me through the USBG for for being such a great partner in those in those early years for being my partner in in creating the USBG Foundation, um, and for always being just an incredible champion for bartenders um, and for the for the Bartenders Guild. Um, grateful to uh, Southern Glaciers for for hosting this podcast and investing in it. I mean, what a what an incredible resource for our community um, to uh, be able to come together and hear about the exciting things that are happening on all sides uh, to really make this bar community um, stronger and, and the best version of itself. Yeah. The best version of itself. I love that. Aaron, thank you so much for coming on served up, you know, and again, you know, I want to wish you just some great health and a whole lot of peace. Cheers to you, Aaron. Thanks Bridget. Thanks for listening. Served Up is brought to you by Southern Glazers Wine and Spirits. Produced by Zunu.online. Music by We Kill the Lion can be found on Spotify. Make sure to subscribe to be notified of future Served Up episodes. Cheers!